2: your dream, said the ancient soothsayer, and I shall reveal the fate the immortal gods have cast for you. Tell me your dream, says the modern psychiatrist, and I shall reveal the innermost secrets of your psyche. You can cut it, slice, shape it any way you like, but after all these years it seems we're still in the dream business.
3: Why do you want to kill Mr. John Joseph Hill? Madam, who are you? Answer the question. Why do you want to kill Mr. Hill? I don't know anyone named Hill. I'm not a killer by instinct or choice. Don't evade the question. Madam, you are obviously a disturbed person. I have to make sure you don't kill him. Put that gun away.
2: Our mystery drama... You Tell Me Your Dream was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Terry Keen. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly
0: with Act One. Knowing how to use tools is important before you start the job. Knowing that a tool will last is important before you buy the tool. Hi, Pat Summerall for True Value Hardware Stores to suggest you pick up the March issue of Popular Science Magazine. In it, You'll find an eight-page tear-out section telling about Master Mechanic tools. True Value Hardware Store's exclusive line, all American made with the finest materials. Like the Master Mechanic 16 ounce fiberglass hammer, balanced to put the weight on your work, not on your arm, and it's just nine ninety-five. Or the Master Mechanic wet and dry shop vac with attachments and dolly for just thirty-six ninety-five. And the Master Mechanic seven-piece propane torch kit, a useful tool for year-round household repairs, is just nine ninety-seven. See the March issue of Popular Science Magazine for the eight-page tear-out section featuring Master Mechanic Tools, available exclusively at participating True Value hardware stores and home centers.
2: It happens. You ask, what was that sound? And everyone looks at you quizzically. Obviously, you were the only one who heard it a sound or perhaps a brief bar of music, a voice, a glimpse of a face, a flash of a colour, a fleeting sensation, so strange, so unreal, it defies description. No one else has seen or felt or heard any of these things, but they were real. For you they were real. We're in a room, a neat little room, in which a neat lovely lady is now living. It looks like a nice, well-kept hotel room. Except for one thing. There are bars on the windows. May I come in? Dr.
3: Geller. May I sit down, Dr. Aberson? Let's get it over with. Ah, oh, Lucy,
2: Lucy.
3: And I was your star pupil, too. Hmm? Well, you see? Even the great Dr. Geller can make mistakes. Lucy, what happened? You know what happened. I made a statement. Why did you kill him? I had to. But why? To save my patient's life. And my own. Oh, come now. It's all there. I wrote a statement.
2: Mm. This?
3: Yes, Dr. Geller. I go back a long way, my dear. I know you do, Doctor. Lucy, I have known personally the great
2: pioneers of our science, starting with Freud, who was the very first psychiatrist. All the good ones had that certain quality.
3: You have it, too. I'm afraid not. No more. Dreams. Our first discoveries came from dreams. What have you discovered in dreams? I've discovered that I can be charged with murder.
2: Lucy, what happened?
3: I told you. I made a confession.
2: Lucy, I am not just the court appointed alienist. I'm your teacher, your colleague, your friend.
3: You know you can trust me. Oh, but can I trust myself? All right. He came into the office, a man close to 50, but in the prime of his life, tall, attractive, handsome, dural. His name, John Joseph Hill, Jr. He was quite ill at ease. After a few minutes, I said to him, what is bothering you?
2: Doctor, you don't know what it's costing me to sit in this chair. Mr. Hill, we've already discussed the fee. I'm not talking about money.
3: Well, then what are you talking about?
2: Dr. Abelson, for a guy like me to go to a... to a shrink... Now, excuse me, I didn't mean that as an insult.
3: I understand.
2: I'm not sure you do. To a guy like me shrink, psychiatrist, that whole crowd, it's all a joke. Like they're all crazy. Who goes to weirdos, you know? And... But I reached a point where... Yes? I spoke to a priest. He's a regular guy, a clan. We batted it back and forth. He said, Jack, I can only give you one half of the help you need. Half? Yeah. I can... I can help you find peace, he said. But first we must discover the nature of the... the demons that drive you. The demons that drive me. And he told me to see you. Me? Well, somebody like you, you know, a shrike. I just couldn't do it. Me, never. So I figure if it's all psychological, who's a better psychologist than Patty O'Neill?
3: Dr. O'Neill?
2: He calls himself a doctor of mixology.
3: I'm afraid I don't. He's a
2: bartender, one of the smartest guys I know. In I know some of the biggest, believe me. I may talk like a guy without much education, which I never did get, but I put up buildings all over the world.
3: I understand.
2: I've been to the White House and all that. But I never forget where I come from. A couple of times a year, I always go back to Patty O'Neill's down on the west side. And I wouldn't think you would ever been to the joint. No. You don't encourage Dan, you see. Well, anyhow, Patty's been standing behind the bar 45 50 years. He's heard it all something like this? Never. So he says to me, Jack, one of them head shrinkers for you. So, faced with that,
3: yes?
2: I had no choice. And why did you choose me? I couldn't ask anybody's advice about a thing like this. So I open up the classified and I look on the doctors and where it says psychiatrist there was Dr. L. Abelson. First one listed. So I figure they all got degrees, one's as good as another. I call for an appointment. It wasn't until I walked into the waiting room that I found out the L stands for
3: Lucy. And did you consider walking out? Yes. Why? Well, I'm scared enough.
2: I gotta go see a shrink, but at the end of the bargain she's a dame. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So? Well, I'd already made the appointment. I... Wouldn't be fair to you.
3: Mr. Hill, you are obviously a man who demands the very best for his money. Now, why would you settle for an inferior psychiatrist? I never said that you were... But I'm a woman. How can I be the equal of a man?
0: I just realized.
2: Maybe I need a woman, Doctor. Why? What I'm going to say, I couldn't say to a man.
3: Why not? They'd look at me as if I was crazy. How do you know I won't do the same thing?
2: Well oh, maybe you will.
3: Except Except what? Except Well, nothing. Except it doesn't really matter what I think of you. But for a man to think you're crazy means a personal loss of stature, you can't tolerate that even from a doctor. You have to take
2: me seriously. You can't look at me like I was some nut that walked in here off the street. I mean, I've been to
3: dinner at the White House. I've already made a note of that. And I'm telling the truth all the way down the line. Suppose you begin to tell it. Well, it started...
2: It started a year ago. I had this dream. I saw this face... I didn't think anything of it at first, where you're always running into strange faces in a dream, aren't
3: you? It happens.
2: But then... Then every night i keep dreaming about this guy. Tall, thin, middle-aged. He was always there. Where? Everywhere.
3: And did you speak to him? No. Why not?
2: You know how it is in a dream. You, you want to do something, but somehow you can't manage to do it. Well, who do you think he is? I know who he is. A guy named Morley K. Sutledge.
3: Well, how did you find out?
2: I was dreaming. I'm at the airport, okay? And this voice on the PA says, Will Mr. Morley K. Sutledge please report to the information desk? And this guy walks over.
3: And until this time, you've never known a Morley K. Sutledge? No, Doc, I never did. Had you ever heard that name before? Never. Very well. So we have this fictitious individual. No, he ain't fictitious. He's real. Yes, in your dream, perhaps. In real life. How do you know?
2: I looked him up in the phone book.
3: And there is such a person. Yeah.
2: I wrote down the address. Went over to where he lives. Parked my car. Waited. And after a while, he got out of the cab and he went inside.
3: The same person.
2: So it's he. Who is it? I had no trouble checking all that out. He teaches in a college.
3: What does he teach?
2: One of them histories. I got the names written down. He's supposed to be the world's greatest expert on the ancient Sumerians and Hittites.
3: And never, to the best of your knowledge, have you ever had anything at all to do with this man? I told you, never. Is there any conceivable way in which your paths may have crossed? No. Can you be certain? Sure I can. I had the guy investigated.
2: Yeah, I checked out practically his whole life. You know something? What? There is no way the two of us could ever have been in the same place at the same time.
3: Except in your dream.
2: Yeah. The guy teaches at the cottage. So I dropped over there. I went to the cafeteria. He was sitting at a table all by himself, reading a book. I bring a cup of coffee over. You, um... You mind if I uh, sit down? No. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, nice name. Do you think so? Oh, it is. And it's a good thing. Is it? <laughs> well, sure. Why? Well, because things go better in good weather, don't they? Not all things. Well, uh, Wars, for example... Wars. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Bad weather saved countless lives during wartime. Uh, now, sir, I have enjoyed our conversation, but I must be excused. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, uh, hey, you know, uh, you look familiar. Do I? Yeah. Do we uh, know each other? No. Well, could we uh, maybe have met someplace? No. You sure? I'm virtually certain. Well, in other words, I don't look familiar to you, Not in the slightest. As far as I'm concerned, this is the first encounter between us. Then... Yes? If uh, we never met, why do I... Why do you what? Doctor, I got up from the chair... And I must have run out of there. Why? Well, there was that question I had to ask him. But how could I?
3: What question?
2: Oh, come on, Doc. What would it sound like if I asked, why do I dream about you? You know what the guy would think? So you just walked out of there. Well, maybe you could say I ran. Well, Doc? Well, what? What is it? Why do I dream about this character? I never
3: met him. You can't be sure. I'm telling you, I had an army of private investigators. You could have met him somewhere without either one of you being aware of it. Something about his appearance may have buried itself in your subconscious, and now it's been released into your dreams. Doc,
2: he scares me.
3: Why should a man like this scare you?
2: Because, because he's going to kill me.
3: Now, how can you say that?
2: I know exactly where he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and how he's going to do it. How can you be so sure? Because i already seen him do it. Every night for a week, I've been having the exact same dream, just me and him. He points his gun at me, and he kills me. But why? I don't know, and I don't care. All I know is he kills me. Now, you tell me. Am I or am I not crazy? That all depends on your point of view. For example, the ancient magicians believed that dreams predicted your future. Modern psychiatrists believe that dreams reveal your past. So you see, as far as revelation is concerned, the old and the new agree in principle only. Nothing's changed very much, has it? I'll be back with that too shortly. The new mid-sized Buick Regal. It meets the demands of today. A
3: little science.
2: Without losing the special things about Buick that people have always loved. Now that's some trick. A little magic. On the outside, it's trimmer than last year's Regal Coupe. A
3: little science.
2: Yet there's more headroom, more legroom, more trunk room. little magic. With a wizardry of a turbocharged sport coupe a and such traditional Buick qualities as luxury, elegance, and prestige Ooh, a magic. The new Regal, a down-to-earth dream car at your Buick Dealer. They the you see. A little time, A little magic A little dying. A little magic He hath awakened from the dream of life, said the poet. But life is a dream. Then what surrounds it? Into what do we awaken? Is there a higher, a stronger, a deeper reality than the one we think we know? If so, what a terrifying place that must be. Though your patient says he sees a man for the first time in a dream, then he encounters this man in reality. Yes, Dr. Keller. And this man whom he does not know to keep him in a dream.
3: In a dream. This man, this Morley K. Sutledge, fires a gun and kills him. Well, well. why? I asked him. And what did Mr. Hill answer? He said, I don't know. You've never given him any cause, Mr. Hill. I never had anything to do with him in my life. Then must be a
2: basis for this fantasy of yours. Fantasy? Doc, you didn't hear a word. I told
3: you. The guy is going to kill me. This harmless professor of history. Who says he's harmless? Who says he's a professor of history? You told me that he teaches at the university. Yeah, yeah, but who says that's all he does? Well, what else does he do? I don't know. Well, you said you'd had him thoroughly investigated. If he were involved in any other sort of activity, surely your detective. Well, maybe he would does things
2: that, 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 that a detective can't uncover. Such as? Such as. Okay. Such as getting himself into my dreams.
3: Oh.
2: What does that mean?
3: What does what mean?
2: That, that oh. You just said oh. Does it mean that you now got me down as a nut? There ain't no more chance to go down to earth, God, than I... Mr.
3: Hill, we have begun this journey together. We must go where it takes us. where he shoots you. Tell me exactly how it happens. Okay.
2: I'm in the woods. And
3: what are you doing there? I'm
2: on a hunting trip. Do you know where? Yeah. I'm up at Joe Langley's hunting lodge. Joe Langley? The Joe Langley? Yeah. He's maybe the fourth or fifth richest guy in the world. All right, I'm in the woods. It is one beautiful day. You can hear the birds and... Sometimes there's a chatter of a squirrel or a chipmunk. And I'm thinking, what a shame to kill anything on a day like this. But Joe Langley only talks business at the lodge with guys who like to hunt. So then I hear someone coming. It's... Hey, Professor Sutledge. Is that you? Yes, it is. Who are you? We met. Indeed? We had a cup of coffee together at the college cafeteria. Hill's the name. John Joseph Hill, Jr. But everyone calls me Jack. And what do you do, Mr. Hill? I build buildings. Big Oh, yeah. Maybe some of the biggest in the world. That's fascinating. What are you doing up here? I'm supposed to be hunting. Oh? I'm a guest of Mr. Langley's. I assume you are also, since I understand this is his preserve. Oh, yeah, this whole place, it's over 10,000 acres. There's something regal in that concept. The divine right of ancient kings to say that only I may roam this land and kill at my pleasure. Regal or obscene, depending. Do you like to hunt? I despise it. What are you doing here? I've been seduced. I'm seeking support for an archaeological expedition to a site in ancient Mesopotamia. Mr. Langley is interested, but he will trust no man who hates to hunt. And so, I must lie in order to pursue an honest endeavor. I joined the club. I got a development project, so I have to come up here to score points too. What, uh, what kind of gun you got there? Oh, just something I bought for the occasion. That's a Carrington 30. I wouldn't know one from another. I just asked the store clerk for a sort of middle-quality rifle. Is the uh, safety catch on? What, the, the safety? Oh, you shouldn't walk around in the woods or place, else with the safety off. Which is the safety? Uh, no, 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 not that. Oh, but... The, <laughs> take your finger off that kick, careful. No. Mr. Uh, run, run, run. I'm sorry. I just... I don't a, stand to Get a doctor. The whole idea of a gun, it makes me nervous.
1: Get
2: I a get... doctor. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, 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 yes. at once. He drops his gun. He runs off. And I'm just lying there. I look down at my chest. The blood is soaking through my shirt. I can feel the cold lead of the bullet in my heart. And that cold letter's making me feel cold all over. Everything starts to get dim. The sun kind of fades out, like a like a light in a the theater. And the song of the birds gets quieter till I I can't hear them no more. Soon I'm alone, all alone in the dark, and I'm
3: dead. I know I'm dead. And that's what happens in your dream. Every night. And what is there that I can do for you?
0: Tell me what it means.
3: We would have to work together for weeks, months, perhaps years to discover the wellsprings of this fantasy. Is it a death wish? Weeks, months, years. You're supposed to be a doctor.
2: I'm not supposed to be a doctor. I am a doctor. All right, then act like a doctor. Why do I dream of this guy? Am I All right. You know what I mean?
3: I think so. Then why? We could say you have been given a warning. Yeah? By who? I couldn't hope to explain it. I'm not sure I can understand it myself. A warning by whatever incomprehensible forces that swirl about us inside and out. A warning? A man named Sutledge will kill you. But why? Maybe you need him. To kill me? Perhaps you don't want to be doing business with Joe Langley. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. How hard a bargain does he drive? Well... The only time you go to him is when you can't raise financing anywhere else. How did you know? It's true, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's true.
3: So your dream is only telling you to keep away.
2: Yeah. That's what I figured myself. Well, thanks, I.
3: For what? You had the answer all
2: along. Yeah, but a bum like me, where do I come off getting bright ideas? I had to see if somebody smart agreed with me. I would say that was a reasonably accurate analysis of the situation, Doctor Emerson. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And he walks out of your office? Yes.
3: May I ask, why wasn't that the end of it? Dr. Geller, it would have been the end of it. Except... Yes, except? Except I had a dream, too. A dream? Yes, a recurring dream. What sort of dream? It was a dream that developed over a period of months. Yes? The first few times I dreamed it, I'm driving along the turnpike. My radio is playing. I'm listening to Mozart. And I look in my rearview mirror. I notice the car is very close behind me, actually tailgating. And just as it seems it must hit me, I wake up. And... That is all? At first. And each week, the dream becomes more and more filled with details. Finally, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Especially an end. What sort of end? Can't you imagine? I'd rather you told me. All right, I will. The complete dream as it has existed every night for more than three weeks now. I am driving along the turnpike. I'm listening to Mozart. I look in my rearview mirror. The car behind me is very close, too close. He will hit me. I know he will hit me. I try to move away from him, but he still follows. Finally, I feel the shock, the impact of the crash. The car is hurled off the road and into a concrete abutment. Oh. A light, light flares up in my brain. And then all goes black. And still. And I'm dead. I know I'm dead. A light flares up and then goes out. Yes, and in that light, I see something. Yes? I see the face of the driver. Do you know who it is? Tell me. Morley K. Sutledge. The same? Are you sure? I see the license plate. ko 0 8 I checked that registration. Do you know whose it is? Morley K. Sutlidge. Morley K. Sutlidge? Amazing coincidence. I remember something else. Yes? The radio announcer's voice just before he started the Mozart recording. Do you know what he said? Tell me. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and what a bright morning this is. The 28th day of October. Let's get off to a sparkling start with some sprightly Mozart. The 28th day of October. That would be uh, about a month from now. Yes, Doctor. So I knew that on the 28th of October, Mr. Morley K. Sutledge would kill me. Because your dream said so? Yes. And that's why I had to kill him.
2: And couldn't you have done something less spectacular? Couldn't you have saved yourself
3: by not driving on the turnpike oh, on October 28th? No. The 28? no. Well, well, why not? Because the dream has taken over and it cannot be changed. Yeah, but my dear, the dream is only an illusion. Doctor, how do you know? How can you be sure that this, What's happening right now? Our conversation. How can you be sure that this is not an illusion? Well, all right.
2: But how do you prove anything when it comes down to that? They tell the story of a famous philosophy professor. He was lecturing his class on illusion and reality. And a bright young student asked, Professor... How do I know I exist? And the professor replied, Who is asking the question? Well, all of your questions shall be answered shortly when I return with Act Three. It was the Spanish playwright who said, Life is a dream, and even dreams are dreams. Yes. It's all in the mind. And the mind is a divine engine that is capable of wonders far beyond our comprehension. It leads us into places that the intelligence cannot yet understand. Indeed, when you add it all up, how little we know. Very well, Lucy. You dream of being killed by this Professor Morley K. Sutledge. Yes. In an automobile. But I must ask you again, why didn't you keep
3: off the turnpike? I couldn't. I don't understand. If you are convinced, you are going to be killed. Believe me, I couldn't. I tried. Every morning as I would leave my apartment to drive to my office, I would deliberately attempt to use Main Avenue. But I always turn off at the ramp. It It is now surely... as if I'm responding to someone else's will. Who? I don't know. It's something that overrides my own powers. I'm forced to take the turnpike. Ah, well... You don't know what to make of me, Dr. Geller. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know what to make of myself either. Now, Lucy, you know why you dream
2: of Sutledge, don't you? It's all auto-suggestion. His name was brought up by your patient as a menace... And so it has crept into your own subconscious. That's an easy assumption. Well, does that make it invalid? My father was a doctor, a general practitioner. When he heard I was to become a psychiatrist, he said, good. You know why? I can't imagine. He believes that doctors were constantly exposed to the infectious germs of their patients. Well, we psychiatrists are no better off. We can also be infected by the virulent psychosis that constantly surrounds us. I don't believe it. I know for a fact you are not a very confident driver. Is that true?
3: Well, I... You are afraid of the turnpike. That is not so. You see? Well... You force yourself to
2: use it because you realize your fear is irrational. So... We have the turnpike, a frightening thing. Your patient mentions a man named Sutledge, a frightening person. Your subconscious puts both of them together. And your dream
3: declares that Sutledge will kill you. You know, Doctor, one day a psychiatrist will listen to a patient and say, You are right. I am wrong. I wish I could say that to you.
2: Yes, now, to return to your sworn statement, you came to your office about a week ago. Mr. Hill was waiting
3: to see you. Yes, he was agitated, nervous, was smoking one cigarette after another. He said to me... Doc,
2: all that stuff we went through last time when I was in your office, what did it all mean? Well, what do you think it oh, meant? Oh, come on, Doc. I pull that same stuff in business. Ask me a question with a question.
3: On one level, it meant you really don't want to do business with Joe Langley. Yeah,
2: and what else? Mm-hmm. You
3: feel so threatened by Joe Langley that you see your death, symbolically.
2: Okay. I want to tell you something. I'm going up to the Langley Lodge this weekend.
3: And Sutledge will be there, too?
2: How did you know?
3: I, uh... I'm afraid to think about how I know.
2: Is it true? Yeah, I had to be sure, so I made an excuse to call Langley's secretary. By the way, I asked, anybody else gonna be there? And she said, yeah. A Morley
3: K. Sutledge. So they, are. There's only one thing I can tell you. Don't go. Yeah. That's what I keep
2: telling myself. So,
3: what's the problem?
2: I know I can't stop myself from going... I know I have to be there. But... I'll I'll be in the woods just like in the dream. And I know I'll go through with it because I can't change any of it. But why? Why can't I just not go? I don't want to go.
3: But you are going. Yeah. You know, of course, that you will do nothing to stop Sutledge from shooting you.
2: I know. And there's nothing anybody can do about it.
3: Maybe there is. Maybe everything will be all right. And that is how you would make it be all right? You would kill Sutlet? He couldn't change the course of his fate, but I could. It wasn't my dream, my vision, my revelation up there at Langley's. It was his. He might be helpless, but not me. If I could stop Sutledge from killing him, he could later on stop Sutledge from killing me on the turnpike. But if you would kill Sutledge up at the lodge, how could he later on kill you on the turnpike? keep using that word, kill, Doctor. I wasn't going to kill him. Just stop him. (sighs) Very well. Somehow, I would get the gun away from him. Then I would explain to Hill that he must save me on October 28th by somehow preventing Sutledge from using his car. I see. Why do you seem so skeptical, Doctor? Why do you fight it? Oh, please continue. You're
2: only going to stop Sutledge,
3: but in the end, you killed him. Why? Everything went wrong. Sutledge was under a compulsion. What compulsion? He, too, had to carry through the dream. Whose dream? Uh, well, if we only knew. Lucy. And so on that day, I drove up to the hunting preserve. Hill was right. It was a place of awe-inspiring beauty. I knew I had to find Sutledge before he encountered Hill. Once that scene began, it could not be stopped until... I hurried through the woods till suddenly I saw him. This tall, thin man with gold-rimmed glasses carrying a rifle. I asked him, Are you Professor Sutledge? Yes. Professor, I must ask you for a favor.
2: Why should I do you a favor?
3: My name is Lucy Abelson, Dr. Lucy Abelson. Yes? I'm a psychiatrist.
2: Well, why should that be of
3: interest to me? I have a patient who happens to be up here in the woods. The sight of the rifle, well, any weapon, in fact, frightens him. Really? And I was wondering, perhaps, if you could let me have your rifle till he's gone safely away. Let you have this rifle, my good woman. Please? It's vitally important. Are, are you saying... You must believe me. I don't know
2: what your game is, but I have no desire to play it. You
3: have to. Believe me, it's the truth. In just a few moments, a man named John J. Hill will walk by here. Who is he? A man. And the two of you will chat briefly. Now, that rifle of yours, there will be an accident. It will go off. Are you serious? And you will kill him. Now, believe me. Well, how can I believe such nonsense? I know it's difficult, but I'm a responsible person. No. Have you heard of Dr. Benjamin Geller, the noted psychiatrist? Come back to the lodge with me. You phone him. You ask him about me. He'll tell you I'm one of his colleagues. You should be one of his patients. Please, I beg you. And into the bargain, you're probably trespassing. Just let me have the gun. I hear someone coming. Oh, I hope it's one of Mr. Langley's servants. In a minute, it'll be too late. For what? You will kill Mr. Hill. But I don't have the slightest desire to kill anyone. That is unimportant. Now, will you please stand aside? There'll be an accident. I'm asking. No. No? See? Now, there he comes. It's Mr. Hill. Wait, is he an accomplice of yours? Mr. Your Hill, Go back! Go back! He's coming closer. John, go back! I can't. Stop! I can't. He'll kill you. I know. John, I, I can't help myself. I can't. I'll help you. I'll save you. Professor, give me the gun. What are you trying to? Give it to to me. Remove your hands from me. No. Let go. I I can't. Let go.
2: You you foolish woman. What did you hope to uh, accomplish? And he was dead. Yes, Dr. Geller. And some of Mr. Langley's servants saw what happened. I read their statements. They said you and Professor Sutlidge were having a fight. You attacked Professor
3: Sutledge without warning. But that isn't true. When I go to trial, I'll explain the whole thing. If you go to trial,
2: I have been assigned by the court to determine if you are competent.
3: You can't believe I'm not qualified to stand trial. Oh, no. I'm sane. Uh, Mr. Hill will testify about dreams, and that will give me credibility. I'm afraid
2: not. You see, I have spoken
3: to Mr. Hill, and he says
2: he has no memory of those dreams. He can't deny he came to see me. Oh, yes, yes, but he cannot recall why. It is quite possible that the trauma of seeing Professor Sutledge die erased the memory of the dream completely. Oh, no. And it is also possible that Mr. Hill, being very much the practical man of the world, does not perish the idea of telling everyone he went to a psychiatrist because he was afraid of a dream. But he did. Poor Lucy. <clears throat> you... Fell in love with him, didn't you? No. Why not? We hear of so many patients who fall in love with the analyst.
3: Why shouldn't the analyst fall in love with the occasional patient? He. He won't testify. No. But, my
2: dear, everything will be all right. You'll get the best of care and treatment, and in a year or two, you'll be as good as
3: ever. You don't believe me, Dr. Geller. I'm telling you, it's true. We have seen the future in a dream. My dear Lucy, if you
2: persist, I can see your future while we are wide awake. It will be here. In the sanitarium. But I'm telling you the truth. Please, Lucy, try to understand. No. It's the truth. The truth. I'm telling the truth. I see the truth. I know the truth. Thus speaks the prophet, the discoverer, the innovator. And they speak, these people do... To those who have neither the vision, the faith, nor the courage to understand. And so, it is their fate to languish neglected, unheeded, until one day... Well, is Lucy Abelson telling the truth? Does the future reveal itself to us in
1: dreams? Stranger things have been known to happen. I shall return shortly. I'm Hyman Brown, producer-director... Of radio mystery theater recently when we celebrated our 1500th broadcast i asked if you would write to us tell us how you like our thrillers and also tell us a little bit about yourself and your family i'm deeply pleased and gratified by the abundance of mail that came in we are trying to answer your wonderful letters but you can easily understand that the time pressures involved in producing and directing Mystery Theater are such that we may not get to every letter. So, right now, I want to thank all of you for writing and for the warmth and the perceptiveness of your comments on our seven nights a week dramatic series. From E.G. Marshall, from me, from the actors, actresses, and technicians of Radio Mystery Theater, thank you very much.
2: Of our dreams blurred and confused. We shrug. We answer, it is because perhaps our minds are too active. But suppose the dreams do not originate in our own minds. Suppose our minds are like, well, TV sets that are receiving visions and messages. Suppose at this point the TV sets of our minds are too primitive to receive the picture clearly. Well, you can get a crystal clear picture on the radio right here when you tune us in. Our cast included Terry Keane, Ralph Bell, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Your fee will be the usual. No way. The price for killing the head of a stake will be a lot steeper than my normal fee, and you know it. The risks involved here are far greater than... I told you we'd arranged it so that the risk will be absolutely minimal. Yeah, on paper. I'm the guy who's going to stick his neck out in Aragona. Haven't our arrangements been letter perfect in the past? The price is one quarter of a million dollars, half in advance, as usual. Ridiculous. And get yourself another boy. Your contact in Trobia will be a Senor Messina. There will be $125,000 placed in your Zurich accounts. Here are your plane tickets and passport. You'll note that the likeness is very good, and your name is Duncan Appleton. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our Mystery Theater